Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. This episode of Can't Wait is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com. Use the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. It is Friday, November 12th. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you're hearing, give us a five-star review. I'm Tim McMaster, along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. We are getting you ready for Jets Bills on Sunday at MedLife Stadium. Jets 13-point dogs at home would have probably been worse if Buffalo hadn't played so bad a week ago in a 9-6 loss to Jacksonville. Uh, The big story, though, is, again, about the quarterbacks. We're going to get all into that. Before that, though, if Marissa bursts into song during this podcast with her new microphone, mind you, it's all about Taylor Swift, uh, and Connor's not happy about it. That's where we're starting today is basically Taylor Swift. Marissa, you're excited. Um, We got a lot of comments in the chat about it that I didn't even prompt. Um, but Connor got on here and said some not so nice things about my girl. It's not a Taylor Swift. Swift. So he's not smart because I have the power to pull him in and out of this show. So I mean, I've already been, I've already been booted just... five times because I said Taylor Swift stinks. Yeah. Every time he does got to get some new material. Boop, just remove him <laughs> right from the stream. Gone. Okay. Well, I'm I mean, she's in. been, she's been, she's been in the spotlight for how many goddamn years? Like every song is the same. It's all about. Oh, I thought I got booted again. I, 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 every song's about dumping the being dumped. Like eventually, if you've been dumped twenty-seven million times, maybe it's you. Like maybe it's not the dude. Like is that just an alien concept that if you constantly keep getting dumped by everyone under the sun, maybe it's not the dude. Maybe it's you. That's just maybe my. Maybe she's just smarter than all of them and doesn't need no man and is just. Then why does she keep for, trying to get for one song content? Because hey, yes, that's what I was gonna say. Maybe. Catch. Maybe she yeah. just knows she needs new material. So she's And I'm a country fan. Else. Like, I do like country. Like, Garth Brooks. I wanted to be Garth Brooks when I was a little kid. Used to dress up, perform concerts, all that stuff. Big Luke Combs fan. Brie and I are actually going to see uh, Luke Combs and MSG oh, like uh, end of this month. So I'm excited for that one. But, like, I don't know. Like, how do you – I just I just don't see – I don't know. I'm not a Taylor Swift guy. I just – I have – and Brie likes her. Like, Brie's seen her in concert and stuff like that. And I have friends that obviously are, like, obsessed with her and how she has, like, this cult-like following and stuff. But I, I don't know. It's, like, every song's exactly the same. I do give her a lot of credit, though, for for uh, making that pivot into the pop world and coming away with, like, millions and millions more dollars than she would have had in country. So, thank you. Oh, yeah. I'm going to unhide this comment. This one, her music is garbage from Loco Joe. This is hidden by Marissa. I'm upping that. No, we have a comment from Dan that says it's a genius move. New man, new album. Exactly. Well, oh, the God, Jets- Bree just texted me. Oh, she said a question mark. As <laughs> barely, barely, Bree is mad. Bree is very upset that I'm trashing. Uh, she's in the other room. Thanks. She's home for. She worked last night, so she's not working today. So I guess she hears my Taylor Swift. Shout out to Bree as always. She is yeah. definitely when I was. Uh, the of you guys, the- is she gonna is she gonna be allowed to do reads for us now? Because she heard me doing that read that we had the ritual read and screwing it up ten times, and she's like laughing in the background. 
So I was like, all right, you come in and do it. And she did. She almost knocked it out of the park the first time. She did do, do like the ritual.com backslash promo code. So I was like, no, actually, that's not this is what you're not supposed to say. But uh, she was all about it. She was very good. I'm going to start sending emailing them to her for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, t- so Taylor Swift, long story, way back Taylor Swift story. Um, when I was covering local sports outside of Reading, Pennsylvania, she's actually originally from there. Um, and I, re- I was covering some event at a, at a division three college, like a basketball game or something. And they're like, yeah, this, this, you know, kid Taylor Swift is going to sing the national anthem. She's originally from here. She moved down to Nashville. She's like 15 years old. She's supposedly pretty good. And sure (laughs) enough, this tiny little gym in Reading, Pennsylvania, here comes Taylor Swift. So Nobody Tim discovered Taylor Swift. Yeah, exactly. She here. sings the national anthem. She nailed Tim it. Tim was the first guy yep. that Taylor Swift made a song about. Probably. Um, we'll have to go anyway, way back. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I knew Taylor before everyone else did. Anyway, um, on to the Jets. I bet Mike White is a Taylor Swift guy, girl. Yeah. Guy. What do you fan. think? Who's more likely to be a Taylor Swift fan? Mike White? Both or, of them. Uh, Absolutely. Both of them. Yeah, I, I think Taylor Swift's a Mike White fan, personally. Mm. Everybody is a Mike White fan right yeah. now. Yeah, everybody, and that's a, that's what we should get to next. Um, so let's go through the week of the Jets. Basically, first of all, from Robert Sala's point of view, he originally said when Zach Wilson's healthy, he's going to be our guy, and then he shifted a little bit, Connor, and now he's kind of playing the tune that you know, if Mike White plays well, he's the guy. We'll ride the hot hand. Um, we're going to get to what both of those players spoke about yesterday we'll hear from them but just from Salah why do you think the team because he's obviously the mouthpiece for a greater organization here that's kind of changed this tune why did they shift a little bit yeah so Salah I think the thing is is that he doesn't have too too much experience with the media I mean he obviously talked to them weekly when he was the defensive coordinator of the 49ers but the defensive coordinator in in San Francisco is different than being the head coach in New York and so he has approach this situation while it seemed like a little bit of a volley and it seemed like a little bit of a back and forth based off of what he said Monday than what he said on Wednesday. Basically he was trying not to make a headline on Monday is what he was trying to do. Like that, that was, that was kind of the goal of what was, what was coming out of that is that he didn't want to create drama. He didn't want to create headlines. He didn't want to get, get his name and, and the jets on the back page. So he came out and said, yeah, you know, Zach's our starting quarterback. And when he's healthy, he's going to be the starting quarterback. That obviously didn't work because when he said that, it became a headline. It became something that every single person was talking about. Everyone suddenly now it was, it doesn't matter. And we talked about it on the podcast because we did one the next day. It doesn't matter what Zach Wilson does. It does, or it doesn't matter what Mike White does. It doesn't matter what he does in this game or that game. It, it None of that matters because once Zach Wilson is healthy, Zach Wilson's going to be the team's starting quarterback. That, however, was never Salah's mindset that was never how Salah thought about this he thought that look if if yeah Zach Wilson's our starting quarterback Zach Wilson is our future that's what he was trying to say on Monday is that Zach Wilson is the future of this franchise we drafted Zach Wilson second overall because Zach Wilson is going to be this team's franchise quarterback but in the immediacy in the here and now that's not necessarily the case so after seeing how things or I seeing the reaction I should say to what he was talking about on Monday Salah changed his tone some, and he came out on Wednesday, and he was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I'm just going to – every question the media asks, I'm going to answer them. I'm going to be honest with them. I'm not going to divulge the game plan. I'm not going to tip my hand in certain ways. 
But I'm going to come out and I'm going to say exactly what the current situation is. And you saw him address Zach Wilson and what he's learning on the bench. You saw him address where Mike White is in the present and now. You saw him address the locker room. And he came out and said, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, but that he has an obligation that if Mike White continues to do what Mike White has done for the one game that he started in the two series he sent against the Colts, then he has the obligation to continue to allow him to do so. And that means start him. So as long as Mike White continues to cook, as long as Mike White continues to tear this up, as long as Mike White keeps doing the Mike White things he has done over the last two weeks since he's been this team's starting quarterback, Mike White is going to remain this team's starting quarterback. And when we talked about this on the podcast on Tuesday and we were like, look, how can they go back to Zach when he's healthy? Is that really the right move? This is what they're saying. I was pretty adamant that I didn't think it was the right move. That as long as you act like you were running the risk of splitting a locker room, you're running the risk of flipping this, you're right. You were there's so much potential negative to yanking a quarterback out of the lineup who is looking as good as Mike White is looking. There's so many negatives to yanking him out than just riding this wave until it crashes. And what Salah has said is that basically, look, and he said it on Wednesday and he confirmed it on Wednesday, and that's how the Jets are going to operate with this. As long as Mike White continues to play the way that he has played, he's going to remain this team's starting quarterback. That doesn't change the fact that Zach Wilson's this team's future. That doesn't change how the Jets viewed Zach Wilson. That doesn't mean the Jets don't suddenly think he's not a franchise quarterback. But they're going to ride this Mike White wave until it crashes. And if it doesn't crash, well, that's a bridge they'll cross when they get to it. It set up an interesting situation on Thursday because anybody who follows the NFL knows that each week, at one point during the week, the quarterback Every team has the quarterback speaks, whether that's the backup quarterback because the starter is injured, whether that's the starter, whatever it is, whoever is going to play that week uh, speaks. But because of the situation and because of Zach Wilson's injury and coming back, Mike White and Zach Wilson both taking to the microphone to talk to the media. For the most part, I would say they all they both said all the right things. You can tell that these two guys like each other, which is nice when you're talking about your starter and your back up and then when they switch um i have a little sound from each of them but i want to start with white what i loved and what came out of this to me connor and we'll we'll hear the bite here in a second was the confidence that this guy has uh marissa play the sound first then we'll react i i operate on a week-to-week basis and this week i'm 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 the quarterback for the team so so my job is to be prepared and and go out there and help execute the offense and and next week we'll, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Whatever whatever job the team gives me, that's what I'll do to the best of my ability. I've told you guys countless times I have 100% confidence in myself. So if you ask me, I, I should have been a, a first overall pick. So that the first part is obviously what everyone wants to hear him say, right? I'm going to do whatever I can uh, for this team, whether that's be the backup, whether that's be the starter. Great. Um, the second part was just kind of a, a joke line about, you know, I should have been the number one pick. But I think what came through in all his answers, Connor, was kind of this calm confidence that he was just really comfortable out there talking to the media and he's looked comfortable in the games. I think, yeah, and he's, yeah, I think he's kind of just embracing this wild ride like everyone else should. You know, I, I wrote a column yesterday or a story yesterday on this. And and look, I mean, the New York sports landscape right now isn't exactly great. You know, the the NHL and the and the NBA season. I thought the are Knicks were amazing. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, they wait, are, wait. they are, they are. Let's not, let's not all right. <laughs> comment there, Mr. Boston. Like, like, yeah, we are, but still the NHL NBA season, they're in their infancy stages. So really, I mean, what's happening right now is is largely irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. They're entertaining during the week. But it doesn't mean anything. You know, pitchers and catchers aren't reporting for another few months. The Giants are a bad team, a very, very bad team. I don't care what they did last week. That's a bad football team. 
So really, there's there's not much for New York sports fans to to hang their hat on. You know, there's not much optimism to go around. So this city has kind of been captivated by this Mike White sanity. And and I think what, one of the clips that we didn't play in the press conference was I said to him, like I, I said to Mike, like, well, what have you noticed anything different? I mean, your your name's being chanted. WFAN's calling it Mike White Mondays. Like they they you're 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 the center of this city. You're the center of the Big Apple. Has anything been weird? And he said, you know, you get a couple more like, hey, what's ups when you're in the grocery store? And he said people were coming up to him asking him if his arm's okay. He said his doctor, when he took his kid to the doctor, his doctor made a couple jokes about that. And and like uh, his doctor was making jokes. And he said it's been fun. But I think for him, he's just embracing this moment. And I think the fact that he hasn't clearly let this get too big, that he hasn't been overcome by basically this overnight fame, it just kind of shows you what kind of guy he is. And and. Jeff Olbrick was the one that talked yesterday, and and he's been, say what you will about what his defense has done the last couple of weeks. From a media perspective, I think he's been excellent. I mean, he talks like a head coach. He's informative like a head coach. He doesn't speak in silly cliches like so many coordinators do. And what he said about White is that he's a guy that just has moxie. He said he has, quote, swag that is uncoachable. You know, he's a guy that's a scratch golfer. He was a draftable baseball player. Now he's an NFL quarterback. He's good at just about everything he wants to do. But the trials and tribulations that he's gone through. The only thing he hasn't done is date Taylor Swift at this point. Yeah, which is good because, you know, there'd be a whole soundtrack on him if he had. Um, But they, uh, like, he... He's done so much, but he's also experienced so much turmoil, whether it was having to transfer in college, whether it was not really starting to play football and not starting football until his senior year of high school, being drafted fifth in the fifth round by the by the Cowboys, being cut a year later, then bouncing in regular season practice squad, regular season practice squad, that I think he's seen how quickly it can all go away, and he's now seen how quickly it can all be given to you, that he's just appreciating and living in the moment. And if he's the Jets' starting quarterback for this week and that's it, that's fine. He's going to live in the moment. He's going to live in this opportunity. If he's the starting quarterback for the rest of the season, he's going to live in that moment. He's going to live in this opportunity. So I think what you're observing and seeing, at least right now, is that this is a guy who this situation, this experience, this isn't too big for him. And the biggest thing that I saw that was conviction of that was he had that game against the Bengals where he is – FedEx Air Player of the Week, AFC Offensive Player of the Week, something called the Nickelodeon MVP or the NVP or whatever the hell that is. He wins all these awards. He's being slimed. He's the game ball. He's the center of the world, of everyone. I mean, everyone and their uncle. They're talking about him on NFL Network, on ESPN. It's Mike White everywhere. I got my friends from Philly that are blowing me up about Mike White. What's this Mike White deal? I played golf with my father-in-law. And he goes, so this Mike White guy actually pretty legit. Like everyone (laughs) is talking about Mike White. And he responds against the Colts in two series, getting him a couple first downs in the first series, then throwing a touchdown in the second. Like, I almost fully expected him to go into Thursday night and just completely, you know what, the bed. Because it was like so much hype, so much anticipation. He was no longer flying under the radar that there's a lot of expectations now to live up to. And for two series, he lived up to those expectations. And there was no doubt in my mind that had he continued to play against the Colts, he would have done everything and more that Josh Johnson did. You then hear him this week talking in his press conference, the way that you see that moxie that Ulbrich talked about, that confidence that Ulbrich talked about, that swag that Ulbrich talked about. And you can see why these players, these 52 other guys in the locker room, love him. Zach Wilson loves him. Every other player. I mean, they're chanting Mike White as soon as he walks in the locker room every single day. And he's laughing about it and brushing off. Oh, man, guys, this has to stop. But you see 
They're not doing that for other players. They're not doing that for Josh Johnson. They're doing it for Zach Wilson. They're doing it for Mike White because they love Mike White. And that's a testament to him getting to know every single one of these players. Like he said, he made it his goal when he arrived because that's what Dak Prescott did in Dallas. And that's something he picked up from Dak Prescott and what he's done here. And look, I said this yesterday. I sent a tweet about it. He's a guy you root for, and he's a guy you pull for, and he's a guy that you want to see well. Everyone always asks about, oh, what team do you root for? What team do you root for? What team do you root for? And I say over and over again, the more you work in this field, you don't root for teams. You root for people, and you meet cool people, and you meet people that you like, and you meet people who have cool stories. You're like, man, I want to see that guy do well. Mike White's one of those people. He's one of those people that you want to see do well. You want to see him succeed. You want to see him have success. And you can see why. You see why his teammates love him, why his coaches love him. And you see him go out there in the press conference. First press conference he's really ever done, probably since college. And he's owning the moment. And he's just enjoying the moment. And it's not he's not cocky. He's not arrogant. But you're seeing he's having fun with it. And, and it's cool to see. We've talked a lot on the podcast about the locker room and, and what could happen if they go back to Zach Wilson. And... Yeah, I know you were big on that, Connor, and I was kind of like, well, you know, sure, the team wants to win, but how many of these guys are actually going to be around when they do win? Does it really matter? Um, but that said, I think we got more insight into that with the whole chanting of Mike White when he comes into the clubhouse. I mean, as as neat as that is, and I'm sure it's fun, it's got to be a little awkward too, right, for the other guy, the guy you drafted number two when they're chanting the backup's name. Yeah, I'm sure a little bit, but the one thing I, I will say is that I, like you said, Zach also talked to us yesterday, and I thought that Zach handled the entire situation incredibly well. You know, I mean, this is a guy that from literally the the first practice of rookie minicamp, the first practice of organized team activities, he's been this team starting quarterback. I mean, he took every single first team rep. There was never a quarterback controversy. There was never a quarterback competition. The Jets literally drafted him. He showed up at the facility to try on his helmet, and they were like, hey, you're our starting quarterback. You know, I mean, so... For him to go from that experience, a lot of lows to start his NFL career, the really big high with the Tennessee Titans, then another really bad low with the 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 game against the the Patriots, get hurt, suffer the injury, leave, have Mike White go in, and basically Mike White do everything that Zach Wilson wanted to do. Have Mike White do everything that Zach was hoping to accomplish early in his career, the throwing for 400 yards, the throwing for the three touchdowns, the awards, the highlights, the fans chanting his name, then having his teammates chant his name, getting the game ball. That's a lot to put on a 22-year-old's plate, to go from, you're our franchise, you know, help us, Obi-Wan, you're our only hope, to all of a sudden, no, look at this guy. Now, you know, it's it's now suddenly the shinier toy. It's it's no, look at Mike White, and now Mike White, it's Mike White sanity. It's Mike White one days and Mondays and, and all of these things, and... It would have been understandable if Zach said, I'm not talking to the media today. If he came out, he goes, I'm not, I'm not talking to him. No, I'm not doing that. Or if he came out and he was a little grumpy or he was a little, uh, you can tell when players are saying what they think they're supposed to say and they're disingenuous. You can tell all of those things. It's very easy to read right through it. You know, it's very easy to see through the words and into what the person's saying. You know, there have been plenty, plenty of players that I've covered over the years that were followed, fell underneath that line of disingenuous. Instead, Zach came out and he didn't do that. Zach came out and I thought he was honest about like, look, my time's coming. And and the one quote that he said that really stood out to me was when he he said, look, I was his team starter and Mike White was the best backup I ever could ask for. And he basically said, what kind of person would I be if now that the roles are reversed, I just blew it up and I was grumpy and I didn't help him. So basically, Zach's doing for Mike everything that Mike did for Zach. And he said that Mike's one of his best friends on the team. 
we didn't ask him this, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me at all if if you know Zach Wilson's one of the people sitting there chanting Mike White when he walks in the locker room. I mean, that's that seems like the kind of kid that Zach is. That seems like the kind of kid that he's approaching this situation as. And yeah, you know, I'm sure there is a little bit of awkwardness though when this was his team, he was the captain, he was the starting quarterback, and now suddenly someone else is hearing their name chanted. Now suddenly someone else is hearing their name called. Now suddenly someone else is, like I've said, the center of the New York world. But we've gone over this. You can't just simply bench Mike White right now. because, And this is something that Salah talked in depth about when we spoke to him in, in that press conference on Wednesday. These are 52 players in the locker room that care about winning. They don't care about developing. They don't care about the future. I know, Tim, like you said, a lot of these guys aren't going to be there in in when the Jets turn this around, and you're right. I mean, they're, they're going to be replaced by the millions of draft picks, seemingly, that Joe Douglas has acquired. But in the here and the now, Robert Sala has an obligation, as he said, to put these players in a position to win games because that's what they want. And the coaches that are respected, the coaches that are trusted, the coaches that have earned the 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 coaches that are the ones that players want to run through a brick wall for are the coaches that players believe in. When players start to get an inkling or players start to get a hunch that the coach has an eye towards the future and not the present, suddenly those, when the coach asks them to go the extra mile, when the coach needs the player to go the extra mile, when you need the extra rep in the way, it, the players are unli- more unlikely to do that. That's what Sala needs to avoid because if he were... Mike White goes out there and has a really good game against the Buffalo Bills. And we'll talk about, you know, what actually qualifies as a good game for Mike White to keep his starting job. But if he goes out there and has a good game against the Bills and the Jets go to Zach Wilson and Zach Wilson starts struggling, you're going to have the locker room split. And you're going to have them go, wait a minute. We've seen our offense put up 400 and 400 plus and nearly 500 yards in back-to-back games, score over 30 points in back-to-back games with this guy under center. I know Josh Johnson played a chunk of the game against the Colts as well, but we've seen us have success with this guy. We have not seen the same success with Zach. Why aren't we starting this guy? So this isn't, again, this is not the Jets saying that Zach Wilson's done. This isn't them saying Zach Wilson's now the backup. This is them saying, we're going to play Mike White as long as Mike White continues to play really, really good football. And when he doesn't play really good football, then we'll reassess the situation. We'll probably go back to Zach. But if they were to just, pull the plug on Zach. Look, that's not how the NFL works. That's that. That's you can't like anyone who's saying it's all about the future. It's all about developing Zach. It's all about putting him out there. They have to play Zach as soon as he's healthy. You don't understand how the NFL works, period. You don't, you don't understand how players in the locker room think you don't understand your, you're thinking, I mean, you are going to lose every player in the locker room. If that's what you're saying, if that's your argument that no matter what they need to play Zach, because Zach needs these reps, Zach Wilson is not the only player on the Jets on the Jets roster. He's not the only player on this team. The Jets have 52 other players to worry about. And right now, Mike White, is, this offense is better with Mike White in it. This team is better with Mike White under center. It's not saying Zach sucks. That's not going to be good. But they have to take into consideration everyone else. Also, the coaches up top. Suddenly, what about Mike LaFleur? Mike LaFleur doesn't look like such a bum anymore when, with, with Mike White running the offense as the way it's designed. So, yeah, you want... This, this, if you are to go out there and bench Mike White when he's playing well, you're going to lose that locker room. Salah's going to lose respect. Salah's going to lose direction. Players aren't going to start turning on him and things like that. And you're going to create so much more drama by benching him 
than just letting this ride out and seeing how it plays out. Because right now, we don't know. Look, Mike White could go out there against the Bills. There are four interceptions the Jets lose by 30, and this is a moot point tomorrow. I mean, we're doing a podcast on Monday saying Zach Wilson has to start against the Bills, start, start against the Dolphins. It easily could happen. But if it doesn't, if Mike White continues to play well, you owe it to 52 other players, not just one, to go out there and continue to ride this wave until it crashes, unless it doesn't. All right, we're going to have more on Wilson, uh, what he said and what he does now. But first, we got to take a short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, back to this quarterback situation, but more from the Zach Wilson standpoint. A lot of teams, the the older philosophy in the NFL when you were drafting a high quarterback before the money got as big as it was, was you shouldn't have that guy start at the beginning of the season. That guy should watch a little bit. There should be a veteran. And then when the time's right, you bring in that starter. Now that's changed in recent years, and a lot of these guys start right away, including Zach Wilson. And you quickly learn that some of these guys aren't ready. I would say Zach Wilson wasn't ready to start just yet. So the other thing that comes from the Mike White situation is that we're going to get a little of that for Zach Wilson. And he spoke about it also. Let's play that clip from Thursday. I would say it's almost just as beneficial as playing. I mean, maybe you don't, you don't feel it as much as far as just, uh, you know, actually going through it. But we all think and see the same things. Like, I, I understand why, you know, Mike made a certain decision on something that he did in game or, or didn't. And uh, it's cool to see because, um, you know, I would say really only the quarterback room knows, you know, kind of what our reads are, what we're going through um, and all that other stuff. So I feel it's, it's, it's very beneficial. And I'm sure if you ask Mike White, you know, this is uh, his you know, third year in the league, you know, how much he's learned, you know, because it was a big thing that this is the first time he's ever played. But, you know, he's learned a lot just by watching, you know, whether it was Dak Prescott or Sam last year, or, you know, whatever the growth comes and being able to learn from the guys taking those reps too. I think that's true, Connor. Do you? Th- and Zach Wilson said he thinks it's true. Do you think he believes that? Uh, no, I do. I do because I, I think that Zach's taken a a, rel- a a very mature approach to this entire situation. And and look, I mean, we we've talked about this a lot. When Zach was in there, when Zach was playing quarterback, he was not playing well. Period. the The vast majority of issues that the Jets had. And Salah and the floor dropped little breadcrumbs to lead us there when they were talking about the offensive lines issues and these issues and that issues and blah, blah, blah. They kept saying it's not just on the offensive line, right? It's not just on the offensive line. It's not just on the offensive line. This guy needs to better end the quarterback. You know, it was always end the quarterback. Zach was not playing. Well, it's like a freaking dogfight going on outside my freaking door right now. We, these neighbors moved in and they have two massive dogs that just will not shut up and they're going bat shit below us because they let him out on their porch but that's neither here nor there it's just very annoying 
should have put the noise canceling headphones on because this is like very distracting. Um, Donate to the Connor Hughes uh, new home fund. At- yeah, 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 yeah. Once we actually bring out going to look at some neighborhoods today, so we're we're looking forward to that because we got to get out of this. We need a, I need a house. I need a big room for the desk and all that stuff. But uh, where what were we talking? Oh, so the Jets' offense was. Let's, uh, there's no point in mincing words. Like there really isn't. The 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 a vast majority of issues that the Jets' offense was having were because of Zach Wilson. He wasn't making right reads. He wasn't taking the gimme throws. When the when he did go to the gimme throws, he was bouncing them like the passes in London to to Tevin Coleman and Jamison Crowder. He was forcing them all into coverage. He was trying to play, and we've used this term over and over and over again, but it's 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 really the best way to describe it. He was trying to play hero ball. Because that's the only kind of football that Zach Wilson knew how to play. That's how he played in high school. That's how he played in college. And that's how he had success in high school. And that's how he had success in college. I think one of the worst things is that the only game that he won as a starter to begin the season was when he played hero ball against the Titans. When he was scrambling around, running around, chucking it deep, and it happened to work. But in every other start, it didn't. So when Zach got hurt and Mike came in, and then when Mike got hurt and Josh Johnson came in, you had two quarterbacks that ran the offense exactly how it was designed. They didn't try to be a hero. They didn't try to make more of it than what it is. They did what Zach Wilson said, which was basically take what the defense gives you. Wait for your opportunity to take the big strike. But if the big strike's there, take what the defense gives you. That means no first read, get it to Mike Carter. No first read, get it to Ty Johnson. No first read, get it to Tevin Coleman. Don't be afraid of the punt. Don't be afraid of the four or five yard gain on second down. Not every play is going to be 40 or 50 yards. And that's how Mike White's run it. That's why you've seen the offense the last two weeks average over 500 yards a game. That's why you've seen the offense score 30 plus in their last two games for the first time since like the Lincoln administration. Like this is like the first time you've really seen the Jets offense look like the Jets offense is supposed to look. And now suddenly the receivers don't look so bad. The offensive line doesn't look so bad. The running backs don't look so bad. The quarterback play doesn't look so bad. The offensive coordinator doesn't look so bad. Everything else is functioning because the Jets are getting functional quarterback play and they're getting functional quarterback play because their quarterback isn't trying to do too much. So by sitting on the side, it's one thing to have something preached to you. It's one thing to have something told to you. But for you to actually take what was teached and to teach, take what was taught to you and actually put it on the field, it's sometimes hard when you're trying to break a bad habit. You know what I mean? Like if you spend 30 years, and I've, I've used this analogy before, if you spend your first 30 years of life having one person tell you over and over and over again, two plus two is five, and then you suddenly are told, no, actually two plus two is four, it's hard for you to just be like, okay, yeah, you're right. Because you've, you've been taught something and told something the same way for 30 years. In Zach's case, 22 years. So it's hard to just suddenly go the other way. But if you say, no, look, here's two pieces of clay and here's two more pieces of clay. Put them together. What do they look like? Oh, that's four. So I'm like, okay, yeah, two plus two is four. Because you've now seen it. So sometimes seeing is believing. And I think in this situation, in this case... You have Zach who was taught it over and over and over again and tried to have it hammered home in OTAs and minicamp and training camp in the first six weeks of the regular season. He was told by the coaching staff, just play boring football, play boring football, but he couldn't just do it because he'd never done it before. Now he took the step back. Now he's seen Mike White go out and have immense success. Josh Johnson have success playing the style of football that the coaching staff has been asking him to play this entire time. So now when he does get an opportunity to play again, it's not so much about, okay, the coaches tell me this is going to work, but I've never actually seen it work before, so I'm just going to go with blind faith. No, now he's seen it 
physically from the sideline with his own two eyes. He's seen it work with White. He's seen it work with Johnson. So theoretically now when he gets back on the field, that's what Zach said. I'm going to put a little bit of Mike White's game in my own. I have to be more like Mike White because he needs to play that style. Now, granted, he has the escapability and improvisational skills and arm talent that Mike White doesn't possess. So there are going to be times when Zach pulls that hero ball out of the hat. But it's about when he pulls it. It has to be one pitch in his repertoire. It can't be Sean Doolittle throwing fastballs every single time. It doesn't work like that. You need the changeup. You need the curveball. You need different pitches. Like, that's just a fact. You need the different pitches. He's now got that also in his repertoire. And if that's a strikeout pitch, that's fine. But you still want to work in everything else. And now, having seen it from White and having seen it from Johnson, theoretically now, when Zach gets on the field again, he'll be a better, more complete quarterback because he's now watched, observed, and learned and then gone on the field and, and done it. And theoretically, would go on the field and do it. Did not expect a Sean Doolittle reference in the podcast. My hometown. Well He's giving me baseball lessons. He's from Tabernacle. <laughs> I, I, like, yeah, his mom was at my wedding. Like, yeah, I know, I know Sean well. Yeah. He's awesome. Really? Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Sean. Yeah, you didn't know this? Yeah, Sean, no. Sean's from Tabernacle, New Jersey. Yeah, so like, I mean, he's several years older than me. I was closer with his brother, but um, he, uh, yeah, like he used to, when I was a kid, he used to do like baseball lessons in his backyard. And then like when he... Um, Went from obviously like he was pitcher to or he was uh, drafted as a first baseman at UVA and then was like getting ready to call up, had all the injuries, which derailed his career. And then basically went during a rehab, like while he was rehabbing his knee, his trainer to keep him sane was like, hey, let's throw. And he clocked at like 95 and they're like, oh, something might be here. And so he like when he got called up to the bigs for the first time, I, I was at uh, BCC uh, and doing radio work for Z889. So he gave me his first interview, like his first interview on the on air and stuff like that. He's a great guy. Really, really. Yeah, is. we one had, of the, one we of the had real genuine the good people. Um... Like, gosh, early Should on. name drop me. Podcast was with the athletic. Yeah, he Sean's was great. great. Yeah. Yeah. Sean's yeah actually, great him and uh, him and his wife did like a silly YouTube video during the pandemic, which was yes. hysterical. Too. Yeah. Yes. She's that's very, when we he's had He's very good on. on Twitter. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Back to the Jets. Um, Mike, you mentioned LaFleur. Um, and I mean, this is a guy, Connor, who through the first six games of the season was like public enemy number one with Jets fans, right? Like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with the offense? Sure, your brother can run this offense. Sure, you know, this thing's good when good other people run it, but, but you're doing a terrible like job. You're a first-year coordinator. You're not ready. All that stuff. And now, with the good quarterback play, suddenly he is the brilliant offensive mind that the Jets hired originally. Um, I mean, what does this do for... Because he is a first-year coordinator. So what does this do for his confidence, really, going forward to just be able to see, like, you know what? This this stuff works. I, I'm getting this done. These guys are, are making this work for me. A huge part of it, too, because, I mean, you have to realize that there's a decent amount of pressure on Michael Floor. I mean, he's he's touted as he's young, as you said, young first year offensive coordinator. His brother obviously has had immense success in Green Bay. He's coming. He's the next branch off of the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. There is a lot of pressure on him. So for him to show up with the Jets and have the issues that he had to start in large part because of the quarterback play, but the issue that he had in the beginning, there was immense scrutiny. And I think the one thing that I can go back to, and it's the one thing that, that LaFleur had said over and over and over and over and over again is like, we're just not executing. We're just not executing. We're just not executing. We're just not executing, right? Like that's what he kept repeating. We're not executing. We're not executing. We're not executing. Well, now they are executing and it's hard for him to like, change this and it's hard for him to change that and it's hard for him to adjust this when the Jets just weren't doing the most simple things the plays were there the guys were open 
the 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 running holes were there and either the running backs weren't going through the right holes or the quarterback wasn't looking at the right read but the play were des- the plays designed were working the ball just wasn't going where it was supposed to or when the ball was going where it was supposed to it was bounced or overshot and it was turned over like no offense is going to work like that Vince Lombardi wouldn't work like that like any uh Walsh like none, none of these great I think Lombardi actually was a defensive minded guy so that was probably I got to go back and I can't remember totally if he was defensive or offensive guy so he was a great head coach um you can't fault LaFleur sometimes for some of those issues. Like I remember that the, the one time that everyone got on him was a fourth and one that he ran against the Patriots and he ran to the left side of the offensive line. And we're like, Oh my God, bad play call. I was one of them. Bad play call, bad play call. He called a goal line run against a wide nine defense, right? It was blocked. Well, the opening was there on the left side of the line. Greg Van Roden on the other side, the right guard when you were running left got beat so bad that the defensive tackle came all the way across the play and made the tackle for a loss, and they didn't gain one yard. Like, that's not an offensive coordinator. That's executing. And now I think you've seen how this offense is supposed to work when it's executed and run properly. And you've seen it with Mike White. The Jets are sticking with Mike White partially because of that reason, because the receipt, like we said it earlier in the show. The receivers suddenly look better. The running backs look better. The offensive line looks better. And the coaching looks better with Mike White in there because Mike White's doing what he's supposed to do. He's not trying to be Superman. He's just doing what the quarterback is supposed to do within this offense. All right, one last thing on the quarterbacks, and that is the Buffalo situation presents something interesting in that their defense is really good, right? They're the top-ranked defense in the NFL. So you could definitely see a situation here where Mike White comes out Sunday and struggles because he's playing against a really good defense, which would open the door for the Jets to put Zach Wilson back in. So what does Mike White have to do on Sunday? I know he doesn't have to win. They don't have to beat the Bills for him to keep this job. What does a good performance look like for Mike White that he gets to start again in a week? That's the thing. That, and that's what that's what's fascinating to this entire thing. And and I, the Jets aren't ever going to put a, a number on it. They're not going to say like, oh, he has to hit these milestones and we'll keep him out there. I think it's going to be a bit of the eye test. But if he goes out there and avoids turnovers, if he goes out there and throws two touchdowns, if he throws for 250 or more yards against one of the better defenses in the NFL, if the Jets are in this game, they're double-digit dogs. If they're in this game, in the fourth quarter, and they've got a chance in the fourth quarter, whether it's one possession and something fluky happens at the end of the game and, and they end up losing by two scores, fine. But if they're in this game throughout it, I think you have to stick with them. I don't know if there's numbers. I don't think it's like, oh, he's got he's to throw for 400 yards or he's got to throw for 300 yards or he's got to have five touchdowns or he's got to do this or he's got to do that. I think it's more that he just has to put the Jets in a position where they are in this game in the fourth quarter. If the Jets are in this game in the fourth quarter, if they've got a chance in the fourth quarter, I don't see how you can put him on the bench next week against the Dolphins. I don't. All right. We're going to talk more about this Bills game from the other side of the football to the defense after this break. All right. This team's going to have its hands full against the Bills. Uh, one last note on the quarterbacks. Connor, we talked about how well they're 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 close. They seem like friends. Zach Wilson said Mike White's his best friend on the team. They've said all the right things. Any chance that some drama builds as this goes forward? No. So so here's the thing, because I've I've had this. I've seen this in the comments section of The Athletic. I've seen this tweeted to me over and over and over again. I've seen this mentioned. I've seen this brought up. I've seen this talked about as like, well, if the Jets keep going to Mike White, what happens if Mike White just plays incredible? What happens if Mike White never struggles? What happens if Mike White 
week in and week out shows he might actually be a franchise quarterback. So the Jets stick with him, and there's never the opening for Zach Wilson to come back and, and play. That's a pretty goddamn good problem to have, no? <laughs> like, isn't that a pretty great situation to be in? I mean, look, the 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 leash is not there's not a lot of slack on the leash from Mike White. I mean, the hook is basically in Robert Sala's hands. And he's waiting and waiting and waiting. And he's going to wait. As soon as Mike White really starts to struggle, he's coming out of the game. He's going to yank him. This isn't like he's going to have the ability to endure a three-interception, four-interception blowout and keep starting for the Jets. The future, the Jets know, is still Zach Wilson. They want to start Zach Wilson. They want to play Zach Wilson. Right now, though, Mike White has done nothing to leave the field. He has done nothing to lose that job. So they're going to ride this wave until it crashes. If it doesn't crash... If it keeps going well, which again, if he can survive this Bills game, if he can somehow manage to get out of the this one, right? Like, because the, the Bills are, are what we've talked about. They have a very, very good pass rush. The Bills have a very, very good secondary. This is not a good AFC team. This is one of the best teams in the NFL and a team that is considered by many to be a Super Bowl contender. If Mike White goes against this team and plays well and earns the start the next week, the Jets' schedule, I will say, does get legitimately easier after that because you have a bad Dolphins team in Week 11. You have a bad Texans team in Week 12. You have a bad Eagles team in Week 13. You have the Saints, who are now without Jameis Winston. Then you have the Dolphins again. Then you have the Jaguars. And then you have a Week 17 game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are obviously another Super Bowl contender. So if Mike White can get through Buffalo... He does have a little bit of what would be considered a cakewalk 2019-like close to the season where there are games in there where it is not like he's facing the Bengals defense. It's not like he's facing a Patriots defense. It's not like he's facing a Bills defense. He's playing some of the worst defenses in the NFL with the exception of the Saints, but the Saints are without their starting quarterback. If Mike White gets through the Bills game and he then goes against this schedule, and starts to really light it up. And it's 300 almost every other week. It's two or three touchdowns almost every other week. He plays in a manner that doesn't open the window or open the door for Zach Wilson to return to the field. Yeah, technically, I don't think it creates drama. Like, I don't think you're going to have Zach Wilson throwing hissy fits in the locker room. I don't think you're going to have Zach Wilson and Mike White fighting. I don't think you're going to have anything like that. It does create quite the storyline of, holy hell, who is the Jets quarterback going to be moving forward? Because now you have not one game. Now you don't have a good stretch. Now you don't have a good streak of quarters. Now you've got weeks and months of real. I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but weeks and months of really, really good quarterback play that show you, holy cow, the Jets might actually have a legitimate stud in Mike White and a player that they drafted second overall who they gave $35 million to who they believe is a franchise quarterback Holy crap, what do they do? Every Jet fan and their mother should be praying that that situation comes to fruition. This team hasn't had a franchise quarterback since Joe Namath. And now if that situation comes into fruition, if that actually happens, if what I just said is actually the blueprint for how this season eventually follows, if this is the direction this thing goes, the Jets go from having a five-decade drought of no quarterback so they've got two franchise, potentially two franchise quarterbacks on their roster. One that they've seen play really, really good football for an extended period of time in Mike White. And then one they believe is a potential franchise quarterback in Zach Wilson that drafted second overall. That's not a problem. That's a dream. 
That's not a problem. That is a dreamlike scenario for a snake-bitten, success-starved franchise that hasn't been good for basically my entire life, absent little brief glimmers of success like the back-to-back AFC Championship runs that Rex Ryan's had. So I don't see that as drama. I don't see that as a problem. I don't see that as an issue. I see that as the best possible reality and the best possible outcome that this thing comes out to be. Now, what I actually think is going to happen is that Mike White's going to have a comeback down to earth game against the Bills. He's going to struggle a little bit against the Dolphins, who showed they can play really well like they did Thursday night against the... That's still a good defense that they can play well as they did Thursday night against the Ravens. And then you'll see Zach Wilson come in against the Texans in Houston or against the Eagles or against the Saints, and you'll see Zach Wilson close out the year. I don't think that Mike White's a franchise quarterback. I don't think Mike White is this team's savior. I think Mike White is playing really, really good football right now and that it would be beyond dumb for the Jets to just bench him because Zach Wilson's healthy. And I've gone over this before where I've said it. It's, it you ha- you, it's, is not, I just tweeted. This is not Madden. This is not just fun. This isn't like just putting the guy that you drafted in there because he's got a potential and you want to get him extra attributes so his overall rating goes up in your second year in Madden. You have 52 other players who are putting their bodies and livelihoods on the line. And if you're Robert Sala, you have to take those players into consideration. And when Mike White is out there, the receivers are getting better, the offensive line are getting better, the running backs are getting better, and Mike LaFleur is getting better. When Zach Wilson's out there, the rest of the roster, the receiver, the offensive line, the tight ends, the coaching, everyone is struggling because of Zach Wilson's struggles. The fact is, Zach Wilson's not ready to play right now. Mike White is, and you're seeing how this team looks when they're getting competent quarterback play. So until you see that the competent quarterback play you're getting right now is not worth it, you don't take him off the field. You don't. You ride the hot hand until it crashes. And if the hot hand never cools off, if this wave doesn't crash, if you're going to surf this one till the end of the days, and this is the king wave, and it's never going to crash, and you're just going to surf it and surf it and surf it and surf it and surf it, then that is the best problem the Jets have ever had in this franchise's history. Because it means you got a player with so much potential in Zach Wilson and a guy who suddenly came out of nowhere to look like he can play in Mike White. And now the worst part is you just got to pick which one you want. And you know what? That's a good problem to have, unless you pick the wrong guy. <laughs> well, and that would be the fear, right, for Jets fans. Would be This is a team that always seems to pick the wrong guy. Would they be able to pick the right guy in that scenario? But that is a long way off, and that would be a great late-season uh, discussion for us as well. I'm sure it's something we'll revisit if Mike White does continue to cook. All right, so the Bills' defense is great. We've talked about that. The offense, pretty darn good, too. Josh Allen has become what the Jets want, a franchise quarterback. Um, they struggled last week to move the ball. The Jets defense has struggled for weeks now to stop the run, the pass. They're not getting to the quarterback, all of that. Uh, CJ Mosley said this week, one of the things they want to focus on is, is getting Josh Allen to, to cough up the football, the fumble, because he's prone to do that. That's probably not a game plan. Um, that's something you hope to, to get through at one point. So how does this Jets defense start to turn things around Connor after the last few weeks where they, it's not like one thing they're not doing well, right? It's it's everything. Yeah, I think it's it's going to start up front. And I, I I did this on like our little the athletic has those brief things that we can do now, where it's like you're you know you're it's on the app, and I think I don't know if you can visit, see it on the website, but I know it's on the app, and you can see it. So a lot of a lot of people have tweeted me. A lot of people have been in the comment section of the athletic saying like, "Hey, what's wrong with the defense? How can the defense turn it around?" So I, you know, I talked to Ulbrich about it. I mean, he's the man who's in charge of the defense, and unlike past defensive coordinators like Casey Rogers, or even when we would poke Todd about it and things like that. 
like Ulbrich actually goes into detail and he actually explains it to you and he talks about the nuances of the game and he, he's he's really good. Like like Ulbrich is really 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 good when it comes to breaking down his team, when it comes to breaking down the defense, when he comes down to what's going wrong. And he said that basically since that Tennessee Titan game, since the moment where this defensive line sacked Ryan Tannehill seven times and they hit him an additional seven times, so 14 quarterback hits, and set, including seven sacks. Teams have said, okay, that's over. We're not going to let that defensive line beat us. So they've worked in an, a significant uptick and made it a point of emphasis to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands significantly faster. They've worked in a ton of screens. They've kept in additional max protections when they've wanted to go deep and stretch the field. So they're basically saying we can't let the defense get home. So the Jets now have two ways that they can go, as Ulbrich explained this one. They can go the route of, okay, you want to take our defense out of it. We're going to drop in coverage now. We're not going to pressure. We're not going to worry about it. We're going to drop more in coverage. So you're going to keep nine guys in the block. You're going to keep nine guys in a block and just run you know, two guys out on patterns. Fine. We'll drop five guys. We'll only bring four and we'll drop five people in coverage. Good luck beating, beating us with that. The other way is you have to change up the way that you pressure the quarterback. You have to bring in blitzes. You have to get things unique. You have to get things curious. You have to get things... You have to get a difference. You have to to change the the manner in which you blitz. Show someone from the left, bring someone from the right. Don't bring five guys, sure, but bring a different five guys every play. You want to do things like that. Like, that's what you want to do. And so you can either go change things up with the pressure a ton, or you go the route of drop everyone in coverage. What Ulbrich said is we're going to go with a mix. It's going to be at times we're going to be pressuring and doing things different, or it's going to be at times dropping people in coverage. That's kind of all the Jets can do right now because I, as we said on the podcast earlier this week, I think the bigger issue with the defense and the biggest issue with the defense is that aside from that defensive line, they just don't have that much talent at linebacker, cornerback, and safety. C.J. Mosley, especially now with with Marcus May out, is probably the only cornerback, is probably the only linebacker, cornerback, or safety on this Jets defense that I believe would start for a contending team. Like, that's it, is C.J. Mosley. I don't think anyone else would. I don't think Jared Davis would. I don't think any of the corners would. I don't think any of the safeties would. I just don't. So by keeping all this mass protection in, even when the Jets drop these guys back and do these different things, you're still allowing the quarterback to pick on the weakness of your team. I just think the Jets need a significant talent infusion to the back end of their defense, basically everything after the defensive line to really start playing some decent football. Because right now the only way that their defense can beat an offense is with their pass rush. If you can mitigate the pass rush, you can pick on a significant, significant weakness. And I just don't see any way to truly erase that weakness. Other than what Ulbrich said, you just kind of have to try to minimize it and you minimize it by working in coverage when they're going mass protection or when they try to get those quick passes out, you just disguise what you're going to do. All right. We'll see if they can do it. Time for picks. Um, there's actually some clamoring in the chat for Marissa's picks. So we have to get to uh, that. It's, she well, is leading my... the way still, although we all stunk last week, all three of yeah. us going one and two with our picks. Uh, but because you are leading the way, these are presented by Bet MGM, the king of sports books. Marissa, you go first. All right. So I'm going to hope that two of my picks are uh, 
the the Chiefs really need to win versus the Raiders, right? That AFC West division is pretty tight. I've taken so, the Chiefs so many times this year. I know, and, and we talked about this on the Athletic week. Football Show, um, which is airing today, that the Chiefs are terrible in covering the spread. But mm. it's minus two and a half versus the Raiders. I think the Raiders have a lot had a lot going on lately, and the Chiefs really need this to flip-flop their season. So I'm going to go Chiefs minus two and a half. My next one, my next two picks are kind of big spreads, which <laughs> didn't work out for me last week with the Bills. But uh, I'm going to go Bucks minus nine and a half versus Washington. And then also coming off a really bad loss last week, the Cowboys. Um, the Falcons have been pretty sneaky this year, but I'm going to go Cowboys minus nine and a half versus the Falcons for that one. So Chiefs minus two and a half versus Raiders, Bucks minus nine and a half versus Washington football team, and Cowboys minus nine and a half versus the Falcons. Connor, I think you're doing yours live, right? Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm bringing it up now. You can go first, Tim, if you want. Okay. All right. I am going to go with, and this one kind of gone back and forth, but I felt like last week, um, Tennessee, everybody thought, oh, they're they're done. You know, running backs out. They're not going to be doing anything. They come out and they win. I feel like that was fool's gold. I think they are going to fall apart a little bit. So I'm taking the Saints plus three at Tennessee. Um, just to annoy Marissa a little bit, I'm going with the Patriots Ooh. minus two at home Ooh. against the Browns. And uh, and then the Rams are clearly all in at this point. OBJ, all the moves they've made, the trades, minus four at the Niners. I'll take the Rams. Go ahead, Connor. All right, so my first one, I'm going to go, yeah, I am doing this live. I'm going to go with the Chargers at home against the Vikings. I just think the Chargers are favored by three. I think that's a good team. I think that's a really good football team. And I just, I don't see... The Vikings has a good one. They're dealing with now the drama with Dalvin Cook. So I like that one a lot. I do like the Chargers minus three. The Eagles, this one is a little surprising to me. The Eagles are two and a half dogs at to the Denver Broncos. The Broncos, I know, I know they had a big win last week, but I just don't think they're good. I'm looking at that one a little bit now. I'm sorry, I should have done this previously. I thought this was going to be easier. I, I'm going to jump on you with the uh, Rams there. So I am going to take the Rams minus three and a half over the 49ers. I like that one a lot too. Um... I am staring at that Browns game, and I do like the Browns actually over the Patriots. But every there time I go, bet Connor, the Browns, yeah, you, uh, no, but I'm not doing it. I'm not week. doing it because games that where I bet the the Browns games that I bet, I think I'm one and eight since. And you know, what? I'm being punished because I wanted the Cardinals over the Browns, and you talked me out of it. You said like you talked me out of of betting the Cardinals over the Browns, and then I flipped my pick. To the Cardinal, I flipped my bet to the to the Browns, and the Cardinals win by like forty points, and I've not, I haven't gotten a Browns game right since. So for my so final pick, pick the, pick the uh, Patriots. No, I'm just saying so I'm staying completely the Browns away. Will actually win. No, I am staying. I am staying completely away from that game. I'm not touching it. Uh, I am going to go with the Titans minus two and a half at home over the Saints. That'll be my other one. So you're just copying Tim's picks. I did all Tim's picks. Oh no, you Tim No, no, he went against Saints. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, so I'm going Titans minus two and a half, Rams minus three and a half, Chargers minus three. Okay. Okay. Got him. All right. That's gonna do it for us. Uh we will be back early next week, Monday, to take a look at where Mike White and Zach Wilson sit after the Bills game. It should be interesting. I think this team, if if nothing else, has become incredibly interesting since Mike White has had his performance. They're going to be fun to watch the next few weeks, I think. So thanks for joining us today. You can save 33% off a one-year subscription to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash can't wait. We'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy the game.